0: For the fine special music to Miss Ross, and thanks to Dr. Scott Winneill for the fine sermonette. And certainly, it leads right into what I'm going to say today because many of you realize that we're in a terrible situation right now. Many of us older po- people, particularly, are going to think from time to time how much longer, how much longer can this rotten world go on when people are being brutalized, raped, tortured? blown up, all kinds of things more and more and more. And the terrible attitude toward marriage, toward sex, toward everything else is changing. And I would like also, as Dr. Scott was saying, I'd like to think about the young people. My mind is a little bit more on them because there just was about 300 of them up at the camp. And now I've met a number of our new students here already just recently in the last couple days. And my own great-granddaughter, Bria Martin, is one of them. So I, I want to have them on my mind, but I do have them on my mind. And I hope all of you will appreciate what I'm going to say to because you all need it very, very much, and you brethren around the world who may hear this later, we all need this. We really do. Many respected news columnists have remarked a number of times how fast some of these societal changes are taking place, just one thing after the other, a lot of you know it. Now we're condoning homosexuality. Now we're even saying same-sex marriage is all right. Now the Target uh, stores and others are saying they're not going to have boys' toys or girls' toys anymore. They'll just have toys. They can't be labeled boys' toys or girls' toys. That might be offensive. We're going to be turning out a bunch of its. And Mr. Stuart Makovitch has pointed out up in Canada... In some of the provinces of Canada, they're already taking off the words male and female on the birth certificate. So your little child will not be labeled male or female. He'll just be in it. Brethren, Satan is trying to reconfigure and destroy the entire fabric of any tiny vestige of Christianity that we have left in our society. God has created man in his image. He's created all you young people in his image. He wants you to be his sons. He wants us as part of his family. God is building a family. But Satan was to turn that whole thing around. Satan was to destroy everything God intended. And now we're very end, near the end of an age. As most of you know, I hope you know, as older people certainly can see it, the things that have happened so much. And Satan is very active. And in a few more years, we're going to have that spirit battle talked about in Revelation chapter 12, where Satan's going to come down like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may destroy. I don't think we're there yet, but we're very close. Very close. And these things are happening with increasing power and increasing rapidity. So we're living in a very exciting time. And you young people, please understand... I've lived 85 years now, and I have never, never, ever for the first 65 or 70 years of my life, my life went on about 65 years before I even began to think about these things happening. If some of these things had happened back in my Midwestern city, we would have been up in arms. Our our fathers and uncles would just run these people out of town, the kind of TV programs they're putting on, the kind of attitude towards sex, same-sex marriage, all that kind of thing. It would not have been permitted at all. But now it's happening, and you young people are taught and taught and taught and taught by the media, by even some churches and some schools, to take it for granted, to assume that that is, some people use the term, some of these news reports, the new normal. New normal? It's an abomination. It's an abomination. People ought to be up in arms about it. But they're not. It's like the frog in the pan that you all know. They say if you heat up the pan slowly, the frog is being boiled before he knows what's happening. And that's what's happening in our society because it's happening rapidly from one point of view, but another point of view. So many people are watching TV, they're watching this and that. They're hooked into this world and all this media, as Dr. Scott pointed out, and they're not fully aware of the reality of God. And they can't fully understand because you're growing up with this stuff how completely, totally opposite, horrifyingly different it is from everything that we had in society up until the last 15 or 20 years. Boy, it's awful. And God is going to intervene. How long? We'll have to wait and see on that. I won't try to give you the exact date, as you know. But we're sure getting concerned and I think we're getting close. The only thing good about it is that the faster it happens, we know the faster Christ will come back. We do know that, so we can be aware of that at least. And I want to understand how these things are happening. Now they're having these men and women who are getting same sex operations and sex changes and becoming transgender. And now they're trying to have these men go into women's bathrooms because they say, well, We've got an operation, so we can go in the women's public toilets. And the courts are going to say, that's fine, let him do it. We're going to encounter problems. Who insures whom? Many articles have come out that. Some of the insurance companies are after having to bear the brunt of this. Who can they insure for what and why? Who's a man? Who's a woman? Who's what? They're trying to change everything. It all goes right back to Satan the devil, of course, when you really understand it. The abortion industry, as they call it, is going full blast, kill, killing, increasing millions of little babies. They've been caught on camera talking about selling little parts of little babies that they have murdered, selling them, making money. Mr. Davis, I know where he says, "Where well, you want to know where something's going, follow the money, and that's often true, follow the money. They say the French detectives back 30, 60 years ago, more than that, used to say, find the woman. If they found the woman the criminal was with, they could find him, too. But now they're not paying such attention to the women. They're paying attention to the, to the money. Everything goes back to money. And again, you young people have to understand it's not, it didn't used to be like that. People are just hungry for money. They want to show off their money. They want to have the special lifestyle. They'll give up anything to get that. So Satan, the devil, is the great deceiver and he's causing all these to come about. So this idea of religious equality is coming and all religions are the same. It's not politically correct anymore to say your religion is the true religion. That's not nice. Well, Jesus Christ did not say that. If Christ were here, they would crucify him or kill him very quickly. You know that. The real Christ of the Bible, they wouldn't put up for him one moment. But they're saying all religions are the same. They're not. All goes back to, again, Satan the devil. All ideas are relative, and they're getting into that kind of thing more and more and more as well. I want to comment on a New York Times article on that aspect of things that I was given the other day, and in this New York Times article, this man was very concerned about finding what was happening to his own child. He said, when I went to visit my son's second-grade open house, I found a troubling pair of signs hanging on the bulletin board. They read, fact, something that is true about a subject that can be tested or proven— opinion, what someone thinks, feels, or believes. So you put fact against what someone believes. And of course, he goes to show that all kinds of so-called facts are not facts at all. He didn't cover evolution, but I could cover that. Most people assume evolution is a fact. It's not a fact. That's why they usually call it the theory of evolution. They can't possibly figure out a way how your human mind evolved from a lovesick amoeba in the warm-ocean slime, they can't do that. Did something evolve as so great as your mind out of a lovesick amoeba somewhere? That's ridiculous. But they call it a fact, evolution. And yet they call belief in the Creator, they believe in a creation without a Creator. And they're trying to make fun of everything concerned with religion. And it goes right back, even as he shows this whole uh, uh, common core standards, that are being put up and taught in schools, the K-12 programs in the country require that students be able to distinguish among fact, opinion, and reasoned judgment in a test. So they're being forced to answer questions that make them later question whether it's all right for a person to be homosexual, whether it's all right for a man to rape, whether it's all right for this or that to happen. They're questioning everything. I didn't realize it was that bad that this come even through Common Core. They're asked these kind of questions that put in doubt almost every truth that Western civilization has believed for decades or sometimes centuries is being jammed in the minds of little kids before they're able themselves to distinguish right from wrong. So I do not go through the whole article, but it's very interesting to see that it's written up. And even in the New York Times, they're very liberal, but they allowed the article in at least. It's good for them on that. So this is happening. Now, I was given an article just the other day. Just yesterday, this ISIS group claiming to be the Islamic State has a theology of rape. The Islamic State fighter took the time to explain what he was about to do was not a sin. The Quran not only gave him the right to rape it, condone and encourage it, he he insisted. Then he knelt beside the bed and prostrated himself in prayer before what he did. Is that the kind of thing we think is okay because it's another religion and they're very sincere? Very sincere in what? Are they sincere in worshiping the God of creation or sincere in worshiping demons, Satan, the devil, and demons? We've got to wake up, brethren. We're in a world that's turning straight to the devil. And we've got to be willing to call a spade a spade and stand up for the truth sometimes and get excited about it. This world is changing in an awful way. And yet our government is not very excited. Our president won't even call it Islamic extremism. They try to use other words about it. They try to explain everything away by by using different terminology. They're playing word games, our government is. And lots of religious leaders are with all this kind of thing. It's okay for a man to love another man because, you know, that's love. What's wrong with love? Well, do you love your dog? That's the next step. What's wrong with, you know, loving your dog or your animal or your cat or whatever it is, your goat? We need to wake up as a nation. These things are happening right in front of our eyes, and very few people are excited about it. They sort of wish it would all go away. But, brethren, it is not going away. It's going to get worse and worse and worse until we're going to have uprisings in this country. We're going to have religious wars, race wars, class wars.
1: We're going to have
0: anti-government riots. The Southwestern Republic may yet split off with Texas and Arizona and some other states declaring independence. You know that. They're talking about it if they're not beat out first by the Mexicans taking over the Southwest we're going to have war and trouble that you can't believe, and it's all going to begin in the next five or ten years, and perhaps start much sooner than that, because some of this is already starting to happen. Do I say Christ is going to come in five or ten years? No, I did not say that. I hope he will, but I know he may not be coming within ten years. He may come in twelve or fifteen. I hope the end will come at least in that time, but the tribulation could easily come within the next 6 to 9 or 12 years, as these things speed up. These events will affect you young people, powerfully. A lot of us have lived longer. We've had families, we've had experiences. You haven't had those yet. So you want to be very careful how you get caught up in what this media comes out with, over and over in front of your eyes, to seduce you. Satan the devil is a very clever seducer, very clever As the book of Genesis translates it, cunning in the New King James Version. He was the most cunning of all the creatures. So how do you get through these next few years? How are you going to survive with these horrible things and be a true Christian? The answer is to have the mind of Christ. And I want to give a sermon this afternoon on Seek Christ's Mind. We've had a sermon on the mind of Christ in the past, but this is different. So we'll call it Seek Christ's mind. You don't automatically have Christ's mind. How can you understand these things as they come at you? And I can't answer all these questions in detail, give you 10 or 15 verses just about same-sex marriage and another 10 or 15 about rape and another 10 or 15 about everything else. There's not time. We used to have three-hour services. We don't have three-hour services anymore. But you better think about it. And I'll give you a little bit of the tip of the iceberg here. Turn with me, if you would, back to Genesis chapter 1 in your Bible, and remember, you young people out there, one of the things I challenge you to do again and again and again, and I pray with all my heart that you will. I hope all of you will do that. I had to go through that. I haven't done it perfectly, but i tried to prove to where I know and know and know that I know, brethren, that this book is the remind of God. This book shows the way God looks at marriage. It shows the way God looks at sex. It shows the way God looks at everything like that. It shows the way God looks at whether we're male or female. It shows the way God looks at abortion. It looks at the way God looks at at all these things we're talking about, these massive societal changes, when you have time to go into the details of it. But we're living in a world that throws this book in the ash can. Please prove this book. Get Dr. Winnell's very fine booklet, The Bible, Fact or Fiction. And I've encouraged Mr. Wally Smith and others. He's written a lot of wonderful articles, as some of you know, along the line of God's creation and how marvelous it is. And all who can, I hope, of our leaders can write various booklets and articles showing that there is a God. There has to be a God. It's not a question. You've got to be willing to live for it, and you've got to be willing to die for it. I may have to die for it, and some of you may have to die for it if we keep on preaching powerfully. We've got to know it, my friends, know it. Back in Genesis, in the book of Genesis, part of the very word of God, and remember Jesus Christ said in Luke 4, verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone. You're not to just worry about how much money you have or how much money you can get out of it, but you're to live by every word of this book. This book is inspired and throughout the entire New Testament, if you'll read it carefully, you and you young people do this sometimes just for fun in a couple of books, you'll see how astonishing it is of the Gospels. Christ said, it is written, or the Scripture says, and then he'll quote the Old Testament. Jesus Christ will quote the Old Testament as inspired. He talks about the book of Jonah, and Jonah being three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Was that a myth? No, Christ Jesus, if you believe in him, he talks about it being inspired. He talks about the flood as being a reality. He talks about Sodom and Gomorrah being a reality. Those things are real. Let's turn back to Genesis 1. Of course, he created all the different types of creatures on the earth. And finally, God said in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Not me, but our God the Father and God the Son were creating a family. They're building a family. Satan is trying to destroy everything God made. God wants to fashion us in his image. Brethren, think about this. Satan the devil wants to fashion us in his image, in the way we think about marriage, in the way we think about sex, in the way we think about murder, in the way we think about all kinds of things. He is trying to fashion us in his image, and in that way undo and destroy everything the Creator God is trying to do. He is the adversary. He is the ultimate enemy. Satan is a liar and the father of lies, Jesus Christ said. John 8, verse 44. If you're not familiar with it, write it down. John chapter 8, verse 44. So let us make in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. Dominion means rule, government, control. So from the beginning, God intended for mankind to have control over everything else. So verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. male and female, he created them. Women are created in the image of God, as long with men. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. A man with another man... What does he do? He can't be fruitful and multiply. Another man can't bear your child. Only a beautiful wife was made for you by God to be your companion, to be your wife, to be the mother of your children. Only she can be fruitful and multiply along with you and make you a family. Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't like human beings to multiply. He wants to destroy the human race. But the family is the way the human race keeps getting bigger and bigger. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth to do it, and have dominion over all these other creatures. And so God did do that, and he made us in his image. And again, Satan wants to destroy that. It's very obviously that he does not like that. He wants to become in his image. So Satan has found a way to make God out a liar and make God look unfair back in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, remember the story about how the serpent came and deceived the woman into taking the forbidden fruit and said, Is God letting you eat of all these other trees? Well, what's wrong with God? Why doesn't He let you eat this fruit fruit first? If so, God's bad, the way he, he, He phrases it. But then Satan came and told her, You shall not merit it, you shall not die, as God said. He said right away, God is a liar, verse 4, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, this forbidden fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Often, brethren, that vanity, spiritual vanity, I want you to really understand, I'm a great thinker, I'm a deep thinker. The people of this world think when they reject God, they want to make themselves smarter than God. They're not. They're not at all as horrible God describes in Romans 1 about the great philosophers. He's talking undoubtedly, down Aristotle and Cicero and Socrates, all these great philosophers of his day. They're fools. Make themselves wise, they become fools, and they begin to worship the creation rather than the creator. And then they get into homosexuality and perversion until they receive the reward of their deeds, as it goes on to say in chapter 1 of Romans. They get AIDS which is one of the most slow, horrifying deaths that a person who died, their whole body begins to come apart. They receive the reward of their needs, which is due. And it is due, and God allows that. But God uh, Satan lied. He said to the woman, you'll not die. So when the woman saw the tree was good for fruit, the pleasant, she desired it, dared it gave it to her husband, and he took it too. So both of them were run out of the Garden of Eden. Because they gave in to Satan the devil. And it says here at the beginning, as I mentioned a moment ago, it says here, uh, if I can uh, catch this, uh, oh yeah, the very first verse, now serpent was more cunning, the the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. Satan the devil doesn't come right at you with the horn and pitchforks and so forth. Say, I'm Satan the devil. He has a very suave personality. Very gratuitous. He looks like he's your friend. He tries to be very nice. He fools you. You don't know who he is until it's too late sometimes. And you have to realize that. He comes to you in the form of false teachers. He comes to the form of false ministers. He comes to the form of false political leaders who are all mixed up arguing in TV with all their crazy ideas sometimes. Do they know how to solve the problem? No, they do not know how to solve the problem. They leave God out. Read Psalm 33. It shows how the counsels of men come to nothing. They're not going to solve the problems. God shows that in the Bible over and over again. They don't get it. They don't understand. Often our modern thing, people trying to be more righteous than God, will say, well, we're all the same, we're all the same. They don't read, for instance, back in when God created Judah, and Judah's very name what means praise, there are certain ethnic groups and God made differently. We're not trying to put anyone down. Some are better than others. Not better, but smarter in certain ways, I should say. Not better. I'm not Jewish at all, as far as I know, but the Jews, you look at the list of the recipients, of the Nobel Prizes for science and, and, and medicine and all that kind of thing, who's at the top? The Jews have powerfully more numbers in those Nobel Prize winners than most other, than any other race by far, even though they're such a tiny group of people. God made them a little stronger in that way. And we have to understand that if you don't understand basic things like that, the way God thinks of things, you don't get it. Why are all these Arabs over there killing us? Oh, we're all the same. No, we're not all the same. We can't sit down at the table and say, well, these people across from us are going to think like we think, and they're going to want peace just like we want peace. No, they want a piece of our territory, or they want a piece of our arm, maybe, or something like that. They start to torture us. That's the peace they want. They don't think like we think, even though they may smile and act friendly. And when I was in the Middle East on two or three different occasions, the Arabs would tell you they know where they're from. They're from Ishmael. They all know that. All their religious leaders and scientists and and historians, they know that. They're not a doubt. The average man knows that over there, in most cases i found. Barbers and people selling, they're from Ishmael. And it shows here back in Genesis, which is the mind of God in print. Read it back in Genesis chapter 16. Here's a little bit of the mind of God. Here it's describing, you shall call his name Ishmael, the son of Hagar, because the Lord has heard your affliction. Verse 12, Genesis 16, 12, God says, he shall be a wild man. His hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand shall be against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Does that tell you about a national characteristic? Of course it does. It does. You're a fool if you don't understand that. When you've been exposed to it, at least, you should try to be willing to admit this is what God himself says. Are all Ismailites bad people? We had an Arab advisor at Brickett Wood, whom I loved and like and still like. I hope to see him again. If they're converted, they can be wonderful people. But if they're carnal and they get in the very worst part of their particular society, they can be cruel. They can be evasive. They could be troublemakers more than the average American or Briton. In Africa, they'll round up 300 girls and kidnap them and and mass rape them or turn them into sex slaves. How many people in the United States are doing that? Virtually none by comparison. We don't have that. We have a different nature. Does that make us better? No, it means we don't have that particular problem. We will go on. We'll try to make foods and call them foods that are not foods, foodless foods to tilt, let people die of cancer and make money off of it. Some of our big deacons and, and elders in the various Baptist and Presbyterian churches right back here in North Carolina and, and, and Kentucky and elsewhere went on for years being the pillars of the church. Yet they were the board of directors of these big cigarette companies, and those companies knew and knew that they knew that their product was killing people. They knew that. There have been many articles on that. They let it go right on. Why? Money. The love of money. The love of money is not the only root, but it is a root. A root of all evils. You read back in First Timothy chapter 10. You must understand that. Chapter 6, I mean, verse 10. So you understand the mind of God and a lot of these things. If you're willing to let the Bible be your, your basis, are there exceptions to these rules? Of course. Of course, we know that man was made to be the leader in the family. Is every man smarter than every woman? No. But in general, God has made a man to have greater overall capacity. He's given a stronger personality, a stronger body, and he's able to make big decisions better. God had all of his disciples. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, all twelve of his disciples were were men. You know that. All the twelve patriarchs of Israel were men. All the authors of all 66 books of the Bible, as we have them, were men. Was that some accident? That's not an accident. Most women understand that. God made the man to be the head of the family and be the leader. He's more responsible. So we have to understand it. If we're willing to understand it, and each of us take our place in life. I don't have the brilliance of many of the Jewish people. I've got to do the best I can with what I have to do with. And you do, too. Try to think of it. God will reward each one of us according to what we do with what we have to do with. But if we don't understand these national differences, and we're not willing to admit that there are differences between men and women, not just in relation to sexual things and family, but even leadership, jobs, productivity in certain areas, then we're fools. We're not willing to believe the Bible. The same thing about the strengths of, of other races and other nations in other ways, too. God describes his mind in the Bible. Seek God's mind, and you will then truly learn to think as God thinks. You'll learn to feel as God feels and act like God acts. Not in hate toward anyone, but to understand the strengths, the weaknesses, and how God is working out his purpose by having we're all dogs. Some are bulldogs, some are setters. Some are (laughs) Doberman-Pincers, you know what I mean? We're not all the same breed of dog. We're different types of human beings. God made us that way. Is that evil or or bad to think that? No, it's very obvious that's the way the human race is going. God describes the German people back in Isaiah as being a very warlike people, and they have done what comes naturally, so to speak. Many Germans know that. They know that. Dr. Hay was one of my best friends on this planet for years while he was still alive. And Mr. Ken Herman, the first, you know, the second registrar, I loved him and traveled to Oregon with him and spent the whole summer of 1950 with him. Many other wonderful German friends. But most of them know that. These strongest sermons I've ever heard and talks about the nature of the German people did not come from Mr. Armstrong or Mayor Ted, they came from Herman Hay. It was 100% German, he understood it, because when the drums start beating and the bugles start sounding, the Germans want to go marching around. Winston Churchill said, they're either at your feet or they're at your throat. And if you understand that, that's the nature. They know that about themselves. That's why many of them have really pushed and pushed their leaders to get them enshrined in a United States of Europe so the other nations will balance them out. They know that by themselves they may get into another war. They did it in World War One. They did it in World War II. They will be the leader of the coming beast power in World War Three. When I was a little boy, just eight or nine years old, my father down in the basement got out his old World War One tin hat. And he said he was over in France fighting the Germans in General Pershing's Army in the First World War. He said, Roddy, it looks like this thing's going on a long time. He says, they may come looking for you. I had to fight the Huns, and you're probably going to have to fight them too. (laughs) They called them Huns. That was just, you know, whatever. You, You don't understand that, some of you I know. You say, you're not nice. Well, God is not nice then, because God made us different in that way. Are you judging God? Learn to be real. You young people, don't take all this pablin that's put out to you on television where we're all the same and we're all happy. The Hollywood people, you see them on these TV shows, they're all so happy and loving each other, you can't believe it. And they brag about their marriages and their children, but the vast majority, they put on a double face. They have a marriage go-round they keep divorcing and remarried, divorcing and remarried. They'll often have five or six women on the string even while they're married. They don't have a loving marriage. They talk about love. They don't know what love is. They just think love is having sex or having a good time and being nice and charming in your personality and then going and doing what you want to do. Again, you young people around the world, you're living in what is actually Satan's world. When I was back in Methodist Sunday School... My sister Mrs. Ames will remember this, I'm sure. We used to sing this song in Sunday school all the time. This is my Father's world, and so on. No, it's not our Father's world. It's our Father's earth. He created the physical earth, but the society, the cosmos, the cosmopolitan society is Satan. He is the God of this world. So we have to understand things and begin to have the mind of Christ, or you will not understand and see through all these things where Satan is trying to change the whole face of human society in a powerful way. And he can really upset a lot of you if you don't understand that as a reality, because it's beginning to affect a lot of our people. Some of our young people are very easily fooled because of these things. I'd like you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2 now. Getting to another scripture here. Turn with me to Ephesians. Most of you are familiar with this. I hope you are. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He's talking to these Gentiles at Ephesus who've been worshiping Diana of the Ephesians and had to come out of that. He says that you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. He's made you alive spiritually by forgiving you and giving you his spirit. In which sins, in which you once walked, according to the course of this world, this cosmos, this society. And we're in a society. We have all these TV programs. They're half-lies. They're constant use of, of trickery to kind of make you think something that is horrible, is good, and so on. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, a powerful spirit being, that now works. He's busy. He keeps busy 24 hours a day. I get tired. You get tired. But Satan does not get tired. He's a spirit being. So he works in the sons of disobedience. He guides this world the wrong way. He is the prince of this world's atmosphere, and in that way he injects wrong ideas. He injects wrong thoughts, wrong moods in the minds of human beings. And he's using the media to do it. He's using Paul's teachers and Paul's ministers to do it, and so on. But we do need to realize that. Turn now to chapter uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you would. 2 Corinthians this time, and chapter 11. Here the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthians who were also Gentile, most of them. He said in 2 Corinthians 11, in verse 3, I fear lest somehow as the serpent, Satan the devil, deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, they come preaching the name of Jesus. You know that. Oh, I just love the Lord this morning, our preacher used to say all the time. Love the Lord. Well, he didn't know the Lord. He knew about Christ, but he was not acquainted with Christ at all. Because your Bible says very plainly, He who says, I know Him, and keeps not His commandments, is a liar. Those people do not know God. They know about God, but they are not acquainted with God. So, we have to understand that. So He says, You're going to be deceived by the craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, another approach to Christ, another type of Christ, a false Christ, whom we have not preached. Or if you receive a different spirit, not God's spirit, but a different spirit, a different approach to everything which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you might put up with it. You Corinthians are all emotional you're easily led. He said on a number of occasions how they go off this way and that way and getting and speaking in tongues and all kinds of stuff, getting drunk at the Passover. You might put up with it. You're so easily led by emotions and the appearance of things. He said down in verse uh, 13, talking about these false ministers, verse 13, for such are false apostles. Yes, there are false apostles. They may be apostles, but they're not true apostles. Deceitful workers. Transforming, just like Satan the devil is trying to transform the entire surface of human society from everything God intended. Transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. He comes looking so sweet and so nice. There is no great thing if his ministers, his who his, Satan, if his, Satan, the devil's ministers also be transformed themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. They say you don't need any works, but they're going to be taken out by God Almighty. And Christ, when he comes back again, they're going to repent in a way they've never repented if they're still alive. And most of them will not even be alive, probably, at the time he comes back. They are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves, making themselves look so nice as the apostles of Christ. So the Apostle Paul, in the Word of God, tells you about that, and that's what's been happening. For those of you taking notes, or even in your mind, I hope all of you will listen to this. i thought over this for years, frankly. I just put it all down. I kind of tried it out on a number of our ministers over the last few days. Where does all this problem originate? The false ideas in the world today. Most of it originates in one place, Satan the devil. He's obviously the leader, Satan the devil and his demons. Right below him in the structure of deceit is the false ministers, because the ministers in Europe, that is, the Catholic priests in Europe, and even in early Britain, and all through Central and South America, who is the one ruling the society? as far as their attitudes and their way of life. It was the priests. It was the ministers. The early Protestant ministers in New England were in charge of the school systems. So Harvard University was created to produce preachers, to teach preachers, Yale, many of the others. They were under the control of the ministers, Catholic priests or Protestant ministers. And what did those ministers do? They taught people about a false Christ a false god, a false way of life, and has been going down and getting worse and worse ever since. Who is under them in this structure of deceit? Under them primarily would be two or three different areas, would be the uh, media moguls. No, first, then the educators. The educators are next, let's say. Hard to be sure of this, but the educators are next. Because the educators are often the ones who, why did these guys get up there and spout all this stuff on TV, because they've been deceived by false ministers. They've often been to my own state's uh, college, where I started to go at one time, had a track scholarship at the University of Missouri. It's very famous for the School of Journalism. It had the first school of journalism in the United States before any other college. They get in there, and they get very liberal professors who teach them the whole idea of secular humanism. They call it progressive now. Remember, the words they they use, they twist. What do you mean progressive? They're not progressive, they're regressive. They're taking us right back to Sodom and Gomorrah. They're not progressive. You need to understand that. Satan uses words to fool people. They're not progressive at all. It's horrifying. But they teach them how to word these things and bring in this whole idea of secular humanism. A lot of you students know what that means. It's the human approach to societies and its problems apart from a real God. That's what's been sold to our whole society for over 100 years now. Secular humanism. It's permeated the colleges. It's permeated the teachers of the other teachers. It's permeated the, the, the college's religion. And over here at the University of North Carolina here in Charlotte... And up in our main one, up in High Point, up, up where uh, the main co- campus up, uh, up there, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and all these other colleges around the country who have big schools of religion, who heads those schools primarily. I can't be sure of everyone, but I've talked to some of the men that teach in those places. One of them was head of the whole department in one of these colleges. And he and his wife took my wife and me to dinner when we first came back here to bring the work back here. And he said, well, he knows all these guys. he named a whole bunch of them, colleges all across the country. he had personal talks with them for hours. He said, I know what they are. He said, they are all a pack of atheists. They don't really believe in God at all. And his wife kind of gently corrected him. He said, well, no, George, his name is not George. And he said, George, remember, they're not all atheists, but they're agnostic, well, okay, some of them are agnostic. They might—they know there might be a God. There might be a God, but they're not sure there is one. Some of them are out-and-out out atheists who say there is no God. The others are agnostic. And yet they're allowed by our educational society, our educational system, to get in as the head of the whole department, the head of the entire department of religion. Why are these ministers coming out of these so-called uh, religious seminaries Or we like to call them in our ministry, religious cemeteries. Cemeteries. They bury the truth. That's what they do. Cemeteries. Why are they that way? Well, they were taught that. They're taught that by these leaders whom Satan has put in there very cleverly, who teach them to water down this entire way of life. And then all these nice Protestants of these churches here that fill up the church parking lots every week, every Sunday in this city, the day of the sun, They're not going to learn about the Sabbath. They believe in the day of sun. Sunday, they believe in the pagan holidays. They believe in the immortal soul. I challenge people, Give me. uh, I'll give you $1,000 if you could prove the immortality of the soul. I'll give you $1,000 if you could give me one clear scripture showing that Sunday is the day of worship that God commands. Never any takers on that. They can't do it. The words, immortal soul, don't appear in the Bible. Sunday is never called a day of worship in the Bible. It's always the Sabbath day, the seventh day, and so on. But these ministers have been so deceived, they come right at you with what is the devil's religion. They don't apologize for it. They're filled with it. That's all they know. Or they simply want the money. They're going to teach the way the society, they want to be politically correct and keep their job. So they go right on with that. That's the answer for a lot of them. They know better. When you read their writings, many of them know that Christmas is pagan. They know that Easter is pagan. They know that Sunday is the day of the sun brought in by Constantine and the early Christians kept the Sabbath. They're not ignoramuses. Many of them have better IQs than I do. I know that. They can They just study the Greek and the Hebrew and learn all this stuff, but they're blind. They have not been willing. Maybe it's not their fault. Maybe God has not called them. You know what I mean? I understand that. But for whatever reason, they are not willing to admit the truth. They're playing the game. They're playing the game. And they go along with this world society. And you young people in this church and around the world, I hope you can get the point. You can start checking up on the thing. Yes, it's all right to check on what is really fact. The fact is that most of the religious leaders in this world are playing a game. Many of them know better, and many of them are direct liars. Satan is a liar. He is the father of lies. What would you expect of his, Satan's ministers, to be like? Well, they lie. A lot of them know better. They're nice. They lie with a smile on their face. They have a very nice, mellifluous voice. They're Harvard-trained in that nice way of religious talking, you know, sounding so religious the way they talk, having a certain way they talk about God and Christ that sounds so religious. But they won't do what God says they won't. Please understand it. Why is God going to bring on our nation in a very few years the greatest holocaust in human history, the great tribulation? So bad there's never been a time like it before, never again shall be, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verses 21 and 2. Why is that? Because of that very thing. Our nation is going away from God and Our families are going to be broken up. Our young people are going to come into this world and grow up in schools where they're going to have religious, I mean, sexual perverts in their locker rooms, in their dorms. Some of them as teachers will be there for them. It's a horrible thing coming on. And before it gets too bad, God's going to say, stop, stop. Stop. And he will pull the plug and stop all this nonsense before it goes on too much longer. And we can be very grateful for that. So we have the media people coming right under the religious leaders and the false teachers and educators. So then the media comes along, and they're so clever, making, you know, bad look good and they have, uh, used to be, uh, different ones where they'd have a movie about a minister, or a minister would always look like the bumbling fool, you know. He would walk in and stumble and didn't know how to tie his shoes or whatever. They'd make him look like an idiot. And they're very, very clever. They use humor to make fun of any true religion. They're very clever. It makes It's interesting, it's fun to watch until you realize what you're watching. They're putting God down and making fun of the way of God, making fun of God's commandments. Then under them, in this chain of authority, of deception, will be the politicians who are blinded and going along with all those same-sex marriage, and the judges, the politicians and judges together, are trying to go along with political correctness. They often know better. How come in this Supreme Court decision about same-sex marriage, The chief justice of the Supreme Court gave a very powerful dissent. He did not go along with that. And Samuel Alito, this other older thoughtful judge, did not go along with it. And the only black judge, you know, did not go along with it. Rather, you had three women. They were misled. And one of them is a very known practicing lesbian, a lesbian on the Supreme Court of the United States of America, Very well known, many articles are coming out. How could that happen? Well, because of all these things I've been saying. Would that have happened 30 or 60 years ago? Of course not. They'd have run her out of town. They wouldn't put her on the Supreme Court. But we have that kind of society going right now. So anyway, the judges are coming along and as many of the conservative writers and even politicians have acknowledged they're making ju- they're making political decisions that ought to be made by the state legislatures or by the congress instead of that these judges unelected judges often are making decisions they have no business making and they are setting a judgment of God almighty changing the very structure of marriage Does that make us look pretty small or feel small? Not me. I know those old guys are going to be sitting. Some of them are younger than me. I know that. But they're going to be sitting, these old folks, in front of the Supreme Court someday. And the Supreme Court of Heaven is going to bring judgment down on them. God help them when that comes. And eventually we hope some of them will wake up for their own good. But we are living in a very deceived world. And then, of course... The next step down below these politicians, judges, would be the public and all the normal people who are led along, led the wrong way by their politicians, their judges, their media, pumping their wrong ideas in their, their hearts and the hearts of their children as they grow up, and making sin look good. The false educators, and above them, the false ministers, and above all, Satan the devil, pumping and pumping out. These wrong attitudes, these wrong ideas, who is the prince, the leader, the prince of the power of the air. He's powerful, brethren. I think more powerful than many of us, even in this room, may realize. And we need to realize it. Back in Revelation chapter 12, turn you with me, if you would, there, to Revelation chapter 12. And again, a very famous verse, verse 9. So that great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, Satan means adversary, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Does he deceive just a little corner of the world? No, he deceives the world as a whole. He is powerful. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And then begins the final war that he talks about, and I won't dwell. On that we don't have time for that now. But he's going to hes going to cause a lot of trouble before it's all over. Most people don't realize how powerful Satan is. That's how could Satan deceive people so so powerfully? Well, as I've been pointing out and some of our other ministers recently, it really hit me at one point a year or two ago when you read Revelation chapter seventeen. Read Revelation seventeen here, and it talks about in verse twelve The ten horns, Revelation 17, uh, 12, of the coming beast power, who received no kingdom as yet, they receive authority for one hour. Coming up soon, for a short time, they'll get power. These are of one mind, and they will give their power and authority to the beast. These nations are going to go along with the beast and give their power, these ten kings. These will do what? It's hard to imagine Ten leaders of Italy, Spain, Portugal, all these nations over in Europe, they're going to somehow get their human armies and try to do what? Fight the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's hard to imagine, but they are so deceived. You see, that couldn't happen in our society. It is going to happen in our society, probably within the next 10 or 15 years or less. They are going to literally fight God. They will have their armies and they will shoot up terrible missiles and unusual flamethrowers and everything they have, and weapons that may not have even been invented yet. They're going to try to kill Christ, the returning king of kings and lord of lords. They will fight, they will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them, for he, the Lamb, Christ, is lord of lords and king of kings, and those with him are called, chosen, and faithful." And he said to me, verse 15, The waters which you saw where the harlot sits on this great system, the false church, are who? Peoples, different nations, multitudes, vast numbers and hundreds of millions of people in Europe, nations and tongues, different languages, all sat on by this false woman, this false religious system, under the controls of the great false prophet and the beast, who worked together. Their reward will be thrown into the lake of fire, as you know, back in Revelation 19:20. That will be their reward. Whoever goes along with them will be ahead for a short while, but it won't last very long. The horrible fate that they will uh, be given will come soon. So we have to understand that there is a reward coming for these false teachers and what they're doing, and God will intervene. I want to now uh, get to something else uh God, as I said, is trying to build a family, and we want to have our mind on that uh, in, in many different ways. And uh, back in Ephesians chapter 6, though, turn to Ephesians 6, more about our battle. First here, trying to see my notes here. Hope you'll excuse me as I get a little older. I have a hard time seeing my own notes. Revelation, I'm in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Brethren, we're in a war, and we need to think of it that way. It'll help you, it helps me when I think of it that way. We've got to learn to be Christian soldiers and fight this war. Back in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 6 in your Bible here, notice what it says in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, Paul wrote, be strong in the Lord. You can't be weak. You can't be nice. In a sense that like the world wants it to be sweet and nice and not say anything or do anything, you've got to be strong. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the clever machinations, the lies, the trickery, the cunning of Satan the devil. He's very clever. You've got to take on the armor to do that. For we do not wrestle. We're in a battle. We're in a wrestling match with this powerful spirit being against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We're fighting evil spirits in the heavens, and they're trying to overthrow us, Satan directly, and through them is trying to destroy everything God intended. Destroy the family, destroy the royals of man and woman and children, true Christians, decent people, everything, tear it to pieces. We're fighting him. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, don't give up and quit, don't be afraid, be a warrior. Having your girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, be busy in the work of God. Above all, taking the shield of faith. We've emphasized faith so much the last few weeks, and you're going to need a lot of faith in the next years. You know that as we go through these things. Take the shield before the darts, the poison darts that come in weaken you before they even get inside your heart or your liver or wherever there's, but the poison begins to spread your system once it gets in you. The shield of faith can protect that before it even happens. Take the shield of faith, and, and you've got to have that. And already guarded your, uh, with which you'll be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation. That guards your, your mind, which is, what is that? The, and the Word of God, uh, the sword of the Spirit, I mean, which is the Word of God. The only offensive weapon we have is this book. That's why we've got to study this book, read it. Think about it. Think about how it honestly applies, and think when you read it, this is what God says. God is nice. He's not against the Arabs. He's not trying to press the Arabs if he says they have this nature. He's not trying to press women by saying that the man ought to be the head of the family. That's the way the family would better function, and it's going to be like that in tomorrow's world in a very few years. He's not against anybody. He's given each one of us our nature. And we want to understand that and respond to what our Creator wanted and we will be happier, healthier, our families will be better, everything will work better if we do. So we've got to have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Bible, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Supplication means repeated prayers and fasting, crying out to God, being watchful. To the end, with all perseverance, don't give up and quit. Keep praying and supplication for all the saints. So we're to pray our heart out, and we're to cry out to God, help us, lead us through this. We'll be going through the valley of the shadow of death sometimes in the next few years, where the persecution will come on God's people. We've got to be ready. We've got to understand. So, brethren, do understand that. And God made us a certain way. Let's be grateful each of us take our part. Let's understand the mind of God in regard to marriage. For instance, turn, if you would, back to Ephesians 5 now. Back to chapter 5 of the book of Ephesians. Chapter 5 now. And here God describes something that tells, answers a lot of questions when you take it as the mind of God. Ephesians chapter 5. And beginning here in verse 21, he talks about submitting to one another in the fear of God. Every one of us needs to learn to submit to the other. Sometimes if my wife was right and I was wrong, I'm still the overall leader and held responsible. But I can acknowledge that she made the right decision in that case. I can learn from her as she can learn from me. Sometimes my children would tell me something, and I had to say occasionally, Daddy was wrong. And I did do that many times. Daddy was wrong. I made a mistake. I'm sorry. And the children appreciate that more. Learning to submit to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Not grudgingly, but know that God has put that man there as the best one to lead the family overall and try to help him succeed in his role. For the husband is... Put by God the Creator as the head of the family, as the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church and as Savior of the body. Is Christ the head of the church to beat it down? No. To help the church, to build the church, to build, to save the church. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so and a right spirit in the fear of God, let wives be to their own husbands in everything which they should do. And your marriage will work better. Your life will work better. Husbands, love your wives. Use the authority you have, not as a dictator, but as one to help, to give, to serve that family, knowing God holds you responsible. Love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the worship of water, but the word. So we're to love our wives, and love and honor, respect our husbands, and know that that is the pattern God has set. And yet you read all this stuff and you see all this stuff coming out on TV about women's lib and women and men are the same. No, they are not the same. They are not the same. They're not ever going to be the same in this physical life. But if the woman takes her place, as I've told some of our ministers even, be good to your wife. She might be your boss in tomorrow's world when we're in the spirit being. If the woman has done more with what she has to do than the man, she may be the leader then. And that's the truth. So you have to understand that. But each one of us has to take the place that God has given us in this life and do the best we can with what we have to do with. And each, again, it's the mind of God regarding the family and so on. And you'll notice also, brethren, that it talks about how wives submit your husbands and husbands your wives. What is one of the reasons God put man as the head of the family and has a family? I wrote a whole series of articles back in the Plain Truth magazine. Some of you have seen it back in the late 1950s. Be a king in your family kingdom. A man was given the opportunity to have a miniature kingdom. His wife, his children, maybe hired servants, and this and that. Now, the wife could be boss over the servants often and over the little children. The overall structure is under the man, and he's ultimately responsible. That gives him that chance. If men... If a man marries another man, the other man is not going to be like a wife. He's not one to want to submit. There's going to be a crashing of heads. And a woman is often made, not often, always made, unless she perverts that, of one who wants to help, to give, to support. She has a responsive spirit. And most of you ladies realize that. I've talked to hundreds of ladies in the church. They know that. You want to be a help. You want to be a nurturer. A woman is a nurturer to want to take care of her little children. A man can do it. It's not his nature, though. He has to fight harder to do that. A woman can do it more easily. So if the woman submits to that, say, God, you take care of them in the end, and I'm going to help George be a better husband and leader, and that he loves you, honors you, supports you, provides for you, protects you in every way he can, you honor that, and hopefully you men will be like that, to love them, encourage them, take care of them in every way you can then you build something in your character as a coming king, and you cannot do that Build by marrying another man. You get it? God is giving us in this life a chance to learn the lessons he wants us to learn to be kings and priests in tomorrow's world. We cannot do that. If men are marrying men and women are marrying women, it won't work. It just won't work. And the whole society will be perverted. Little children, they say, well, children could carry on because they'll have male sperm and some test tube. But wasn't that nice? That might last for a while, but some of it's going to get ruined after a while. There'll be various problems. And pretty soon you would have an empty earth. Satan would have achieved his ultimate executive, uh, his ultimate job, goal. There would be no human race. There would be no prospective sons of God. If we became perverted, all of us, then we could not have little children. They wouldn't be there. So Satan is guiding all these things to bring this about. We need to know that Satan is the devil behind it. This is what he has in mind. He is trying to destroy the family. He's trying to ultimately destroy the family of God because he is cunning, he's wicked, but he's not stupid in one sense. He's rebellious, stupid in a clever, evil way, but he knows that all of us in this room, if we're willing to do what God tells us, we are destined to replace him. We're going to replace him as gods over the various parts of the universe under the great God. We will be kings and priests in tomorrow's world, and we, instead of Satan and his demons running the world, we will run the world under Jesus Christ. He hates that. We are his competition. We are his competition. He wants to wipe us out. So he'll destroy the family, destroy our educational system, pervert our media, and do everything he can to pervert the human beings in every way. So God's purpose will be thwarted by Satan the devil, the master deceiver. So we need to think the whole thing through. Are all religions equal? Satan the devil's coming out with that all the time recently. Well, of course, God says against that again and again and again, as you know. I'll just give you one scripture on that. Turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Here you find the Apostle Peter inspired of God, very obviously. And uh, in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts, follow my own notes here. Peter is answering here, and he says, be it, verse, verse 10, be it known to you, all of you, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole, that he had just raised up and healed. This is the stone, you see, Christ, which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. Is the Buddhist religion the same? No. Is Islam the same? No. There's one true church of God and the true way of God, and that's it. Only through the name of the true Christ of Nazareth. No other way. And God makes that clear over and over. All religions are not the same, all ideas are not the same. All human beings are not the same. Satan is trying to water everything down so you're confused. You don't know who your background is, your, your nationality and what that means. You don't. For instance, we have the sons of Joseph. We were descendants of the sons of Joseph, they were given these great national promises. And for the last 150 or 200 years, the sons of Joseph have preserved the balance of peace all over the world. They're constantly looking for America or American Britain to work together to solve this problem or that problem. Why? Well, instinctively, the other nations know the Russians are going to do it. They'll come and crush them. The Chinese aren't going to, but they know that American Britain will try to help. Does that make us better individually? No. We have our own sex sins and selfishness and lust for money, but we will not go around killing and raping and robbing and torturing people like some of these Gentile nations would. And do when they're in charge. We just don't do that. We build. The British Empire built all over the world. The Americans came across and built this nation and so forth. We're the sons of Joseph. If you don't know who you are, it takes from your understanding of the mind of God. There are so many things like that that God has given us which are absolutely wonderful. I don't have time to cover them all here. What's ahead, brethren? What's ahead? Well, you all know that Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 36 to 39, that the time just before his coming was going to be like the, sun, like the time of Noah. In the time of Noah, there was great violence in the earth. And every imagination of men's hearts was only evil continually. God says that very clearly in the Bible. So that's going to come. But the ultimate outcome is found in Jeremiah 31. Let's turn to Jeremiah 31 now. And I want to read this to you, part of it at least here, for the sake of time. Jeremiah chapter 31, brethren, and we find here in verse 31. For the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant I made with their fathers when I brought them out of Egypt. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel, all of us, All of us in the democracies of Northwestern Europe, the British Isles, the modern house of Israel, and Judah, of course, this is the covenant I'll make in those days. I will put my law. People say we don't know right from wrong. They will not accept what God says in the Bible. They will not accept the Ten Commandments. They have the false idea of justification by grace so you don't have to obey God's law. Satan has all these clever ideas to get rid of what God has given as a basic standard of human conduct. They don't want that. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my peoples. That's what God is going to do. Many of the commentaries even realize he's obviously talking about the Ten Commandments. He's not talking about the traffic laws. He's talking about the spiritual law of God. He's going to put this in the minds and hearts of human beings, and they're going to come back, as it says earlier in this chapter. I was going to read that, but I won't take time. If you read back in earlier uh, how uh, in in, uh, Jeremiah 31 and verse 7 and 8, he's going to bring Israel back singing from Palestine. Behold, I'll bring them from the north country, gather them from the ends of the earth, the lame and the blind, they're going to come with weeping and supplication. They're going to come crying. They'll have been in concentration camps. God will finally bring them back. So they'll come, in verse 12, to Zion with singing, and, and they'll come and streaming. And for the wheat and new wine, the blessings God will give them when they come back. They shall sorrow no more at all. God has a very happy future. But in the meantime, Satan the devil is completely destroying The human family he's completely destroying the whole structure of society that was even halfway decent he's trying to wipe it out and he's going to make us in his image the image of satan the devil if he can understand that that's what's happening right now and you're living through it and you young people god help you understand it, and god help you understand if you could prove to yourself that this is the bible that there is a real God out there that made the heavens and the earth, and this is his word, you can figure it out. You can resist the devil, and he will flee from you, and you will be brought into God's kingdom, and there will be no more sorrow at all. And there will be singing in Zion, joy and happiness, when Christ comes back as King of kings. Godspeed that day.